Welcome to the Devon Live Herald Express Talk United Yellow Army podcast on a chilly morning here in South Devon. Must have been perishing out at the training ground this morning, Dave. Yes, it, not at Sealhane this morning. Okay. Um, uh, at uh, the uh, Pro Direct South Devon College. Oh, um, nice, yes. Uh, yeah. All weather uh, pitch. Um, of course, I live just out on the edge of the moor, so it was um, the got palm some, trees. The palm some... trees are waving in the breeze when I got down here this morning. <laughs> got some snow up there today. Oh yes, yeah. It was a bit lively first thing, um, but no, down here the the wind was the the wind chill factor. I bet. But let's man up. It's nothing like Chicago, is it? Or uh, not quite. <laughs> come no, on, no, no. That now that is cold, isn't <laughs> it? That's proper cold, isn't it? And. Yes. Uh, Hopefully all will be well at East Thurrock on Saturday. Indeed. So welcome along. Put aside your tax returns or whatever it is you've been doing. Uh, apparently in our absence, uh, Julian did his tax returns. Everybody used the week off uh, to good advantage by the sound of it. What so relief. always good to hear. Um, and we're in a bit of a celebration mood this week because obviously last Saturday, in case you've been on holiday on a different continent, Torquay managed to beat Oxford City by seven goals to two. Uh, in a quagmire and a downpour and a what howling a gale. Day it was well up, up until half time, and yeah. then amazingly, suddenly it, um, it the rain stopped, it, yeah. um, but the wind didn't, of course. Um, so it's worth remembering that. And and congratulations, my man of the match, without a shadow of a doubt, Asa Hall, United's captain, yeah. for winning the toss. <laughs> <laughs> uh, made all um, the difference. Made, it made all the difference because United played with the wind in that first half and were five up. Was it no uh, five up at half time? Half time. Yeah. So yeah. Um, and of course, it's you know let's just remember this followed, and importantly followed the three two defeat at at Bath City yeah. the previous week. So United needed to bounce back immediately from that i think most united fans would have taken any sort of victory last saturday just to get back on the tr- on on the rails uh, and of course it turned into yeah. a, into an absolute rout um, against uh, a, a completely outgunned oxford yeah. city side who uh, Gary Johnson has quite rightly been pointing out one six out of seven in se- in december yeah um, and uh, you know on but, paper, uh, weren't the worst team no. in the world. But they they were broken midway through the first half, weren't they? They were. Uh, yeah. They were on the road. We'll come back anyway, to the we'll game in some more detail. Yep. So, but while we're passing through it, mind you, thank you to the people sat behind us on Saturday. It was like being in the Formula One pits with the weather update that we got. There was a chap behind you who said, "Oh no, no, it'll be fine. The um, the rain is due to stop just after four p.m." Well, and it did. And it did. He must have had a satellite to the Formula One teams. Yes, I think exactly, it was. Yeah. Yeah. But, and also, uh, congratulations to Asa Hall, congratulations to the 47 Oxford City fans who stood in the one place in the ground where you don't want to be stood exactly. <laughs> on a day like that, in the away end, wind and rain hammering down the pitch, straight in your face, and you're getting tonked, <laughs> you know, goodness gracious. And they kept singing all the way and through they to the did, end, yeah, they? Yeah, proper supporters. Fair play to them. So we'll talk a few things that have come through from the press conference this morning. But the main news this week is uh, Niate makes eleven. Yes, not ten. Now that's the name of the sitcom that I'm going to write one day. You know, <laughs> if they're all still living in that same house, Niate makes eleven yeah. is the name I, of my I, sitcom. I, I, unfortunately, you can still do it because it did yeah. exist for a while. It's now broken up. Unfortunately, oh. one or two people, um, Alex yeah. Bass has gone, has left us, and and that's broken up. They all get on fine still, but the the actual house that they were living isn't 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 around. But you can you can imagine. I might just do it, do anyway. it anyway. I think. Um, but, but no. 
Carry on, sorry, interrupting. Well, uh, well, Gary Johnson has got now 11. Yes, uh, uh, the, and the 11th, which uh, um, we haven't factored in quite, is actually Ryan Dixon, uh, okay. who, who I have mentioned a couple of times as one of the players whose contract situation hadn't been finalised. Well, the reason is because is he's already got one. Right. Uh, um, when Gary Hour signed him last summer, um, he signed him to a two-year contract. So, uh, effectively... Um, that makes 10 that Gary Johnson has sorted out over the last few weeks and months, plus Ryan Dixon is 11. He was already under contract. So when it comes to the end of the season and retained list time and that sort of thing, we, we don't have a care in the world, do we? Because... <laughs> I don't suppose United are going to bother with a retained list, no. Um, uh, mainly because uh, in the wake of that, uh, the only other players that are not spoken for, for want of a better phrase, uh, are, there's two players out on loan, Jason Banton um, at Dulwich Hamlet. Yeah. His loan, current loan spell expires next week, so something will happen there. And George Essiemun is on loan at Dulwich until the end of the season. Um, now, w- would you expect Jason Banton to to figure again at playing more, or I is it something? Wouldn't no. no. Um, but uh, you know, let's not you know let, let, let's be diplomatic yeah. about that I don't think so mm-hmm. um, so but the fact that Gary Johnson has allowed those two players to go out on loan for the spells that they have Jason yeah. Banton's been yeah. out on loan for quite a while anyway yeah. Eshiman to the end of the season uh, he did say when Eshiman went to Dulwich Hamlet on loan that there is a recall clause should United mm-hmm. um, need him back and he is you know a perfectly popular and yeah. and, and you know half decent player decent as well player. so yeah. yeah that's right yeah. so um, I think we should just hold fire with that. Um, Samir Nabi, um, yeah. who playing more regulars, won't have seen around for a week or two. Uh, that's mainly because he's been out trialling with one or two other clubs. I think Kidderminster was one of them. Yeah. And um, Gary Johnson has now confirmed that he's been told that he can find another club. Yeah. Um, so I don't think he'll be featuring at playing more again. Um, and United are doing their best to help him in that respect. So that's that box ticked. Uh, and the only other player that I can think of that isn't involved in, in these things is George, is George Burton, yeah. the, the young reserve goalkeeper. That's because he's a non-contract player and will remain on that basis yeah. to the end of the season. Happy to do it. Obviously, number two to Sean McDonald. Has been developing and improving. Uh, yeah. Um, uh, as 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 um, under Phil Osborne, the goalkeeping mm-hmm. coach, and as and as McDonald's number two, and that situation will be reviewed at the end of the season. Uh, on top of that, the only other four are, of course, the four Bristol City loanees. Yeah. and so that means that the, the tied down to contracts now are. I mean, Sean, this this will gladden the hearts of Torquay fans. That are Sean McDonald, uh, Ben Winter. Uh, Jean-Yves Cueniate, Jamie Sandals white is tied down as well. Kyle Cameron, Liam Davis, Asa Hall, uh, Calvin Kalala, Ryan Dixon, Jamie Reed, and Rory Keating are all on. How long are the deals? Uh, uh, as far as I understand, they're 18 month deals. In other yeah. words, the rest of this season and the whole of next season. Yeah, and since uh, our last podcast, I mean, Jamie Reed obviously is is the headline name who has signed since the last podcast. Yeah, absolutely. Along with Ben Winter just before the um, Oxford City win, and Jamie Reed just after it. Yeah. And now in the last forty eight hours, Johnny Cuniarte, who who actually, of course, was out for a little while with a groin injury. Yeah. Since he's come back, he's 
hasn't been able to force his way back into the starting eleven, which has been unchanged for the last four matches. Yeah. Um, but he's obviously still very much involved. Hugely popular player in the club. Yeah. Loves playing for Torquay. I think this is he's decided this is his second home now. Fabulous. Um, yeah. Uh, uh, after leading quite a sort of a. A wandering life since he came to England to try and make yeah. a career for himself here. Um, Gary Johnson clearly feels there's more improvement to come from him, um, and so he's he's on board as well. And of course, it, it, this this is an underlining really of Johnson's conviction, uh, having looked at United against mm. Boreham Wood and and in other games this season, that his conviction that they they will. If United win promotion this season, and let's keep saying that, yeah, um, cope in the National League Premier. Have you ever known a manager do this this early in a season, though? No, before? and I think it's worth it's worth repeating what Johnson said at his press conference today. That is, this represents a, a, a real backing of him by the mm. club. Yes. Uh, apart from anything else, financially, um, because um, our listeners may be aware of the fact that. Football league contracts, football league club contracts. Um, whether you are bit, whether you're staying or not, you're paid until the end of June, June the thirtieth, no matter what. Yeah. Outside the football league, national league contracts end in May, so uh, that sort of accounts for the fact that football league clubs sign quite a lot of players in, um, a, a, you know, a, a scramble for for places. Yeah. yeah. Um, and for financial reasons, National League clubs obviously don't want to be paying players during the summer, so they very often hold off as well. Yeah. But the fact is, if you're a National League player and your contract's up, you don't get paid from May onwards. And and this, as a result of you know what's been happening at Playmore these last few weeks, yeah. all of these players will be paid right the way through the summer um, on the terms of their current deals. So that's also a bit of a commitment from... You know uh, the owners. Yeah. Um, they could. You know, the alternative would be to let these players effectively their contracts end this summer. Say, well, yeah, we'd quite like to sign you. Let's have a chat about it. But by the way, you're not getting paid in the meantime. So, yeah. so the fact that these players have signed their contracts means that they're that they are now secure financially. Yeah. I'm not overstating what they're earning, but but you know what I mean. Um, which is quite a big it quite is. a big factor. But we find ourselves traditionally sitting here in June and July saying, well, we, we need to concentrate on getting the spine of the team worked yeah. out and, and that sort of thing. And that, these players now get to, to sort of develop the playing together, the working together, training together over a very long period of time. That's now, right. It's a big vote of confidence in them, isn't well, it? Well, absolutely. And, and in addition to that, quite interestingly, uh, Gary Johnson said at his press conference today, um, yeah, um, don't forget the Bristol City lads are obviously committed to the end of this season. And he said, you know, hopefully we might be able to keep one or two of them yeah. um, uh, next year, depending on obviously what level the club is at. Yeah, I would have thought that that is pretty much dependent on United going up because mm -hmm. Bristol City will, I'm sure, want the Seiko Janes and the Jake Andrews and the Common Le Connor Lemonhavens and we'll come to Opie Edwards in a minute. But... Um, to play at a higher level, having yeah. done really well at National League South level. But what Johnson was hinting at is that if United can win promotion this season, it would improve their chances of maybe keeping one or two of those. So yeah. if you add those, let, let's imagine that we can keep two of the Bristol City loanees, yeah. which one's in the lap of the gods, 
plus the 11 you've got uh, already signed up. Yeah. So that's 13. For a squad that you'd want to kick off next season of 17 to 18 players, contracted players... Um, you'd be pretty happy yeah. with that. No, no, ex- yeah. exactly. Yeah. And, and, and uh, um, you know, he, he was saying that, that Pete, his brother, Pete Johnson, United's head of recruitment, chief scout, is ecstatic at the moment yeah. because at least he's looking forward now to the rest of this season and the summer, mm. trying to nail down the the four or five real important signings yeah. in the summer that can go in on top of this squad and and you know give United a real chance of yeah. doing something next year, whichever division they're in. And we all hope, of course, it'll be in the mm. National League Premier. What basis would the the, the Bristol City players be a, a, another long loan? Because. I think you go back and start, they'll all be a year older. Yeah. Because um, uh, you've got things like um, Opie Edwards is, is, and Seiko Jani are on, effectively on youth loans at the moment yeah. because they're only 19. Yeah. Um, uh, Jake, Jake Andrews, Lemon Hale yeah. and Zyle, 21, 22. Yeah. Um, so they would, they would go up a year and I think, you know, you just go back and start again. Yeah. I think those things, you know, go back to square one. But, um, and also... Uh, just as a little extra, Olaf Kazela and Josh Baxter, of course, um, yeah. the two young uh, Torquay Academy uh, uh, players, uh, uh, Kazela striker, Baxter centre half. Um, they, as far as I know, are still due to receive mm-hmm. uh, their first quote senior close quotes contracts when they when they're seventeen years old, which is I think happens in March. So yeah. um, you you factor those in. Um, you've got. The real this, prospects, both of those yes, as well, they are, aren't they? And they, you've got this ongoing link between, it's broadened out now, uh, yeah. um, between Torquay Academy and now South Devon College, uh, because United yeah. have sort of shifted their training base over there. <coughs> I beg your pardon. And um, uh, so, um, you know, that goes yeah. on. Uh, uh, and I think... Um, that the the obviously that the, the link between Torquay and Torquay United and Torquay Academy, as far as youth team matches is concerned, has has changed a little bit because United aren't using Torquay Academy for their all weather mm. pitch anymore. But um, happily, as far as I know, four, five, six of the Torquay Academy youngsters uh, are still in the United under eighteen squad, uh, and you know, long may that continue yeah. as long as they justify their place in the team yeah. I think you know United's under 18 team must be uh, um, you know any league you know professional club you, you, you want to attract the best possible yeah. youngsters to your team from whether it's Coombs Head uh, you know uh, Brixham well, uh, yeah, Churston Grammar School yeah, or, yeah. You know, whatever whatever school college yeah, yeah. Um, uh, and you know they need to be in that market yeah you know um and, and obviously the facilities at South Devon College are great um, uh, and there is a bit of a relationship has sprung up there but it needn't mean hopefully that the relationship between Torquay United and Torquay Academy is suddenly becomes a thing of the past I think mm. that would be that would yeah. be self-defeating wouldn't it so on team news as well there's news of a new loan signing isn't there yeah um, uh, prompted by uh, United fans at last Saturday's match uh, would have seen Calvin Kalala pull up yeah. and be substituted midway through the first half. 
uh, he was actually training today, um, yeah. which was quite well, come as a little bit of a surprise to people who saw him hobbling off on Saturday. It was a calf injury or something. No, like that, it wasn't. It? Well, no, it was an ankle injury. Was but, it? but yeah. he didn't actually go over on his ankle. He hasn't mm. damaged ligaments. I think it was sort of a jarring as much as anything else. Yeah. Now whether he's fit for East Thurrock, I think is is not a hundred percent certain. But the other development there is that Opie Edwards, who who again came on as a substitute uh, last Saturday. Um, uh, on the back of that and a previous substitute appearance at Bath, um, Bristol City and United thought it was probably time for him to have a full 90 minutes. Yeah. So he played for Bristol City under 23s in an under, in a, in a started for them in a game this midweek and unfortunately broke down again. It's a nasty injury, isn't it? It's Thigh strain. been in and out uh, uh, a few times. He's come back from it twice and then broken down. And during this matchup at Bristol, it went again this midweek. So yeah. he's going to be out for another three or four weeks. And on the back of that... Uh, a bit of news and you know he, he's quite a key weapon isn't he um, United have, have gone out yeah. and as far as I know I don't think it's been finalised yet but they're, they're bringing in um, a young lad from uh, Bournemouth called Frankie Vincent who's a young midfielder stroke winger um, and uh, he, he should be on board in time for this weekend it hasn't yeah. been confirmed yet obviously we're speaking just after lunchtime so or at lunchtime so I think by the time this is up, it may be, may have been announced. Yeah. But that, but and and again, it kind of underlines what Johnson's been saying. He said, "Look, I know some supporters have been worried about the size of the squad. It's not all that big, is it? Are we covered, etc." But he's been saying for several weeks now, "Look, we are in a position to go out. We've got a list of players we've identified. Yeah, uh, the club have told us we can go and get them. Obviously, uh, um, the the." so-called transfer window doesn't apply to um, mm. uh, uh, National League clubs in the same way that it does for Football League stroke Premier but you know today is January 31st so it needs to be done from yeah uh, um, uh, from football stroke Premier from League point of view, view. yeah <coughs> and um, so he, he's in yeah or, or he's coming in 19 year old uh, this is his first loan out um, United have scouted him several times. Yeah. Had their eye on him, and and the way Gary Johnson was talking this morning, he quite bullish about his his prospects. So Bournemouth loanees have done us pretty well in the past. Not as bad, well, haven't they? Yeah, we've, not we've bad. had a few. No, absolutely. Yeah, um, Bailey Cargill. I was just thinking of him. Um, Good player. Joe Quigley, yeah. yeah. Uh, and if we think hard enough, probably a couple more. Yeah. And and um, so. That's the, the, an injury, which is it's a real setback, isn't it, for for Edwards? You yeah. Know, United fans have seen, well, oh, he, the, the blistering pace. They 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 can you know they know exactly what he can give the team. Well, when the loanees first arrived, uh, uh, Opie was the one who really got everybody well, excited. Well, I, I do remember his debut. He, he he made his debut under obviously Gary Hours was the was was the the manager who signed him and and. It it was a run back into defence. It wasn't it wasn't an attacking run with the ball yeah. at his feet. United lost the ball. He actually may have lost it. I'm not. I can't quite remember now. Very early in the season, wasn't it? And he turned round and managed to cover about sixty yards in four or five seconds flat. Yeah. Got back in front of the pop side. In front of the yeah. Pop side. yeah. Um, uh, nicked the ball off somebody or yeah. helped to and set off up the pitch and. Obviously, United weren't playing brilliantly at the time. We weren't scoring many goals, and it completely galvanised the crowd. I remember people yeah. around us standing up and cheering. It was the most exciting thing that had happened for a week or two. It certainly was. And, yeah. um, so people have seen what he's got. Yeah. Um, and you know, it's it's really 
frustrating and disappointing for everybody but most of all for him that, yeah. that, that he's run into these injury problems and as a 19 year old you don't want to be developing a tendency to go down with no. a particularly a particular injury so this really needs getting to the bottom yeah. of I'm not saying that Bristol City didn't try very hard to get him 100% right I'm sure they were confident that he could do it but the fact that he's broken down again for a third time is, is <clears throat> just a little bit worrying yeah. and it needs to be sorted it does Right, playing devil's advocate for a moment here. Torquay have just beaten Oxford 7-2 on a day when Woking and Bath both dropped points. So Torquay sit quite pretty at the top of the Four table. Four points clear again. Is there a danger of complacency up there? Um, Gary Johnson said, I can understand people asking the question, but no, there isn't. <laughs> he's confident that, I the, knew that, that, that there isn't. The answer, and I, yeah. think, I think he also, <laughs> what he's referring to is what happened at Bath. Yeah, I, I don't think there was complacency at Bath, but you, but if there was any kind of feeling of well, yes, look, we're going to turn up and win each week. I mm -hmm. think what happened at Bath, I don't think it was complacency. I just don't think United were <coughs> quite on their normal game. Um, uh, the pitch wasn't great. Definitely no excuses. Same for both teams, etc., etc., etc. Yeah, but uh, United, you know, could have gone three-one up with a penalty. Yeah. Blah blah blah. They lost that match. And I think if there was any sort of jolt needed, and, and and knowing these players, I don't think it's like that. They're not a they're not a complacent lot. They're 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 always up for it. Yeah. Um. And it was it was a huge disappointment and a shock when that happened. But I, I think hopefully that's provided the yeah the little nudge. I think we called it a dap over the nose, exactly. didn't we? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Last week. Um, and the way they went about Oxford, I think, confirmed that. Yeah. Okay, they had the wind and the rain behind them. But also, uh, it's 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 given them that four-point lead again. Mm -hmm. uh, Bath only drew at Gloucester, which I thought Bath would probably go to yeah. win at Gloucester. But there you go. Gloucester are picking up. Western Supermare are starting to pick up. All these teams are scrapping for for, for points. Woking, we were the, the the friends behind us in the press box last Saturday were telling us at regular intervals that Woking were losing at yeah. home to Wheelston. Actually, the, at one point they told us they were losing. Three they added a goal, then, didn't they? Yeah, and added a goal and then apologised for it. Never mind. Um, and uh, so you know we're back to yeah the status quo again. Um, but on the back of that, you know. For me, the team to watch at the moment are Chelmsford, yeah. um, who, of course, United play at home at Plainmore on Saturday week. That'll be a February the 9th, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Put that out now. Uh, United need the biggest crowd possible. For me, I know obviously they still have to go to Woking April the April, 6th yeah. or something like that, what it was. This home game against Chelmsford on Saturday week is absolutely, in football management terms, massive. Yeah. Uh, um, because Chelmsford have won six out of seven, I think. They've got a damn good squad, very experienced players, mm -hmm. been here, done it. They know this scene. Uh, Reese Murphy up front scoring lots of goals, who used to be on loan at United last season. Uh, some very experienced, good, solid players. Chris yeah. Welpdale in midfield. Um, and that is going to be a real six pointer. Uh, they're not that far behind. I think they're seven points, yeah, something like that, seven. or whatever. Yeah. Uh, and Gary Johnson was saying today look, the whole point about the fact that the playoffs in the National League South go down to seventh place, a um, bit of a weird playoff situation. If you finish second or third, 
you're guaranteed to be. You, you, it excuses yeah. you from the playoff quarterfinals, and you're then guaranteed a home game in the semi-finals against somebody who was fourth, fifth, sixth, whatever. Or seventh, yeah. Um, yeah. But of course, not only are people like Chelmsford, Woking, Bath still think they've got a chance of actually winning the thing. Yeah. Um, Billericay won in in midweek as well, so they're not completely out of it. Um, but there'll be plenty of other clubs in the middle of the table who will think we we could still squeak yeah. into the playoffs here. Yeah, it's going to be very competitive. Yeah, now, getting back to the Oxford game, nobody epitomised the, the the change in fortunes from Bath to Oxford more than Jake Andrews. <laughs> well, because Jake had had a torrid week and he missed that penalty at Bath, yeah, which could have won the game for Torquay. I mean, everybody got behind him, supported him. I don't think he got any stick from anybody in the end. But in his own mind, he must have thought, I'm looking forward to the Oxford game. I can put a few things right here. And didn't he just do that? Well, hat-trick hero. What a difference a week makes. Yeah. You know, uh, uh, I don't think in his wildest dreams he ever thought when he kicked off on, against Oxford, I'm going to score a hat-trick. But um, he did. Yeah. Um, uh, they were good ones as well, well weren't they? They were three very different you know, goals. He's a very talented yeah. player in my book and and um he 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 was johnny on the spot for a couple of them okay the win helped with a, a scoring corner, direct from yeah. the corner so his um, his first one was the corner wasn't it to make it no that was his second was one. it the second one yeah the um, first one was the volley at the far post from reedy's cross then um just oh we, we should it should be indelibly imprinted on our mind <laughs> shouldn't it um yeah uh, first two say good johnny um, the third, I think, was um, was Jamie Reed. It was. Yeah. And the uh, fourth, Lemonade Evans. The, the fourth, fourth was the corner. Was the corner? Well done. I, I, I hadn't mixed up myself. Um, the fifth was the, the side fifth foot. Was the side foot volley from Reedy's cross. Uh, uh, Reedy's cross. And the uh, sixth. And the sixth was a little back heel flick. It was lovely. I, if you watch the highlights, a real on the talking Robbie Lally Fowler website, job, wasn't it? It, yeah. it was a cracker um, uh, from Lemon Evans Cross. You're, yeah. you're absolutely right. Of course it was. And actually, that was the sixth goal in the 58th minute. Yeah. And United, you know, had finally broken through the four-stroke five yeah. goal thing, and we knew this was going to be the hammering that many Playmore fans have been expecting. But no, it was a great way for him to come back. It was. Um, uh, he was suitably. Over the proverbial move. He had the match ball almost before the referee's <laughs> whistle had finished blowing, yeah, didn't he? A- absolutely. Um, uh, and, and it must have been fantastic for his family, who I know were sitting in that little stand at Bath, yeah. and were upset, to put, the, to put it mildly, uh, at his missed penalty. Yeah. Um, and, you know, they must have been very excited and proud of the way he bounced back from that so um, no great and um, Sekou Jani scored two that's 13 for him and Jamie Reid let's not forget 21 goals now this season we still don't know what that target was that he set himself no and he's not saying he won't say will he it'll be in his memoirs one day yeah quite Um, I'm sure in his own mind 20 would have been the obvious one well he's through that now is it 15 games to go something like that um, I'm sure he's. I'm sure he's. I'm sure he's thinking of <coughs> thirty. But uh, you know, wouldn't it be fantastic to have a talkie striker get thirty goals oh, in a season? Um, and if you watch the highlights, Seku could have had three or four more as well. Oh, he no, came it, so it, close it, to getting a couple Oxford of other goals. Not have complained, and you know, you never like to see a team hammered like that from their point mm. of view. You love seeing it from your own. But, yeah. And Joe Osler, f- great former United yeah. player, fondly remembered at Playmore, looked like he was. <laughs> 
<coughs> King Canute trying to hold back the, yeah, the, the tie, right. didn't he, yeah. back there? And, and of course, Oxford had sold a very promising young centre-back, Godwin Malife, to Forest Green Rovers just before the match. Yeah. And they had to put a young lad called Tom Carter in at, yeah. at left centre-back. And... Uh, I'm afraid, you know... He, he was uh, at the centre of a few things, He was at the centre of yeah. a perfect storm, yeah. I yes, think, let's was. put it like yeah. that. And eventually they took him off in the centre half, so uh, in the second half. So uh, Joe Osler had to more or less try and yeah. uh, hold the fort back there, which was um, a, a, a doomed mission. But hand on heart, because we're talking United fans and we because we've been through what we've been through... When Oxford got two goals back in the second half, were we getting a bit jittery? Well, <laughs> we've seen it happen before, haven't we? But uh, um, and Shimanga, by the way, their striker, go into a few notebooks with him. Yeah. I think he 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 might well end up moving on and up in in future. Um, I thought Bobson Balling played pretty well. He made yeah, he a difference came on when the he came on. Side. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah. Started the season with United and then went out on loan and then permanently. Um, and I think in the circumstances, if the game had finished with those two Oxford goals, which a couple of previous matches had, yeah, <coughs> big pardon, uh, that would have been a bit of a downer. So yeah. it was a great relief when Jamie Reid finally got the seven, sure. so yeah. that United could actually finish up, finish the match win. And let's face it, if they'd scored, if they'd gone into double figures, Oxford could hardly have complained. No. it was it no. was one of those days, wasn't it? It was. No, that brings us to the topic of big scores. We were trying to work out on the hoof on Saturday when the last yeah. time Torquay had scored that many goals. I was so was. cold, my hand was <laughs> trying to turn the pages of the old reference books. We 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 went back a little bit too far. Yeah, we did we? initially. We yeah, overlooked. Right. Uh, we, we we overlooked a great day for Robin Stubbs against Newport did. County in nineteen sixty. I think it was 63 or 64. Thank you to Paul Barstow <coughs> for pointing that one out as I was on my yeah. way out of the ground. Yeah, we would have got there, I think. <laughs> um, yeah, Robin Stubbs scored 5 1 uh, that day against Newport County, uh, 1963, October. Yeah. Uh, interesting thing about that match, it was only one all at half time. Was it really? Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, and then. Uh, uh, Stubbsy went a late flurry. Went went, yeah. went went goal crazy in the in the second half. So that was the last time that United had scored seven in a league match. Yeah. Um, uh, there have been odd, weird ones. Obviously, this season United have scored seven in a cup yeah. tie, um, and there have been you know occasional uh, uh, examples of sixes and uh, um, you know going back. Mm. But the, the 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 season that. I thought initially uh, was the one that was the key one, uh, which was 1956-57, uh, um, uh, when United uh, finished second in the old third division south behind Ipswich Town. And the whole point about in those days was only one club was promoted from the third division south and north yeah. up into what's now the championship. So United were at their sort of highest ever point mm-hmm. uh, up until that time. Uh, and ended up losing the third division south title to Ipswich on goal average in those days, yeah. as opposed to goal different. Um, and amazingly, in that season, uh, uh, younger people can chunter away and say, "Oh well, the defenders can't can't have been nearly as good in those days." Well, it was all relative, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah. <clears throat> United, in the space of two home games that season, um, beat uh, a Swindon seven nil. Um, and Norwich City 7-1 in the space of two That's successive home games. I was just wondering if, if pain would cross your face when you mentioned that Norwich oh, result, David, as, right. as a big yeah, Canaries yeah. fan. Mind you, a couple of years later, we went to the FA Cup semi-finals as, yeah, a, as, a, as a third division <laughs> South team, so uh, uh, the, the Canaries bounced back from that roasting at Plainmore. Yeah. Um, uh, but 
another extraordinary thing of that season was that in two games against Millwall, United lost 7-2 at the Den yeah. and won 7-2 at Plainmore. Yeah. I mean, it's extraordinary, isn't it? So they won three times that season. They won, They scored seven goals. That's uh, amazing. It, it yeah. is. And, and, but that defeat at Millwall, the 7-2 defeat at Millwall, actually had quite, you know, if you think about it, um, uh, uh, United only lost the title on goal average. Yeah. yeah. So um, uh, uh, who knows what might have happened if mm. one or two of those score lines had been slightly different. Um, and those are, those were the days when you know Sammy Collins was I think he got what was it 30, 35, 36 goals that yeah. season um, uh, Don Mills was mm -hmm. the conductor of the orchestra in, at inside forward Ronnie Shaw uh, on the wing um, great great team under, yeah. under Eric Weber and uh, of course um, they went to Crystal Palace for the last match of the season uh, and needing to win that game to win promotion yeah. to what's now the championship um, and only drew one all and Ipswich won the title on, on, uh, on goal average so um, it was very mo momentous times indeed so looking ahead to uh, we'll talk about the weather at, at the end of the podcast because the, the Saturday's weather and um, today's weather what might be coming notable yeah. but let's look at this run of games coming up then because Three of the next four games are away from home. Yeah. Uh, it's a difficult run. We're away at East Thurrock on yes. Saturday. Yeah. Uh, home to Chelmsford, as you say, the following Saturday. Big, big game. And then two pretty tough away games. We're away at Hemel Hempstead on the Tuesday. Yeah. And away at Welling the following Saturday. Yes. Now, OK, so United have, have, have beaten these teams, apart from Chelmsford, of course, where they yeah. did 0-0 on the opening day of the season, which was like watching paint dry, but... Uh, yeah. Um, uh, both teams, I think, were desperate not to lose that opening game, uh, and it looked like it as well. Yeah. Um, uh, but I can remember Gary Hours coming out afterwards, and you know he said, "Yeah, it wasn't great, but wait, wait until the end of the season. This might be yeah. a very important point." Um, uh, so that's obviously to come, and then you've got Hemel Hempstead away, as you say, and yeah. Welling away. Uh, Welling certainly think they've still got a, a, yeah. a, a shout of the playoffs, although there have been financial cutbacks there and they've lost a couple of players. Um, Hemel Hempstead is a rearranged match on a yeah. Tuesday night. They're heavily involved still in the FA Trophy. Uh, United beat them 2-0 at Plainmore. Yeah. Beat Welling 4-1, something like that. 3-1 at, at Plainmore, uh, Welling. So they've beaten yeah. both of those teams. But I, I don't think Hemel Hempstead are that bad a team. They've got this very, very high-quality player, Jordan Parks, in midfield, who, yes. who, who, yeah. who scores yeah. goals. Um, and, you know, this is, this is going to be now a real head-down for the finish line, it, isn't it? it well, it, well it, there aren't that many games left, are there? Well, We're 15, almost... 15. Before we know yeah. where we are, we'll be down to 12, 11, and into, yeah. into single figures. Absolutely right. Um, East Thurrock away this Saturday. Look, they've only lost one of their last six. They're, yeah. they're in this bunch of teams down the bottom. Western Supermare, who've looked like they've got no hope, mm. are suddenly three points yeah. away from safety. Uh, Hungerford are the ones who are really falling. They're at Chelmsford this Saturday, so right. you have to expect yeah. Chelmsford to win that game. You've got Truro have been improving visibly ever since yeah. Lee Robinson came in. Um, Gloucester City are picking up under Mickey Cook. 
Uh, East Thurrock have lost one in six. All yeah. the teams down the bottom of the table. And I'm expecting, and I'm sure I'm not the only one, a real scrap on Saturday. Yeah. Um, uh, they don't concede many goals. They only lost 1-0 at Bath. And Bath had quite a job to beat them yeah. at Twerton Park a couple of weeks ago. Um, so this is going to get really gritty now. Yeah, these um, next four games, they're, they're not going to be many 7-2s in these next four games. Me, no, no. And, and United are going to have to get on that hard heart especially away from home a, a couple of six eight weeks ago they were going to places like Dulwich and Dartford yeah and really matching the mm. opposition tackle for tackle run for run get stuck in don't give them anything make sure that you that you don't give these teams the encouragement of yeah. a goal or, or or whatever it is and then make your hopefully extra fitness full-time stuff count when yeah. you can um, and both, I remember watching the, 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 the Dulwich Hamlet, they certainly did that, scoring goals in the last half an hour, 20 minutes to kill those teams off. Yeah. And they're going to have to get back into this routine of it ain't going to be a breeze where you're three up in half an hour and all that kind of stuff. You're going to have to really yeah. grind it out. And I'm sure um, Gary Johnson and the players know that. Indeed. <clears throat> Let's talk about the weather then. Now that... the. Saturday's game against Oxford. I can't remember, or certainly a long time since I've seen a match played in conditions. It's like horrible, that. wasn't it? I mean, there was a shrieking wind blowing down uh, into the uh, face of the away fans at the Barwickham end, as yeah. you say. Uh, Very good crowd, by the way, in the circle. Two and a half thousand there. I thought in the yeah. in that weather, uh, um, and you know, obviously people don't stay away just because you lose one match, but it, it would have taken the edge yeah. off for for a few. The Bath City away game. Um, uh, when we got there, you t you take one look at the pitch and go, "Whoa, <coughs> it's a it's damaged, isn't it? Yeah. A bit of standing yeah. water in places." Yeah. Um, I, 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 when I walked in and got ready to sort of take my laptop up to the press box, I was relieved when a couple of people who had just spoken to the referee said, "Don't yeah. worry, it's on." And I looked at the pitch and thought, "You know, well, how much more has to fall fall well, on this?" To, and then, then from before, there's a question mark. From 20 minutes before kickoff until half time, it emptied down. It didn't tipped it? it down. And there were times when we were quite honestly thinking, as we cruised into a 5 0 lead, yeah. I can see this game being abandoned. There you here. go. And, and, and a huge relief and well done to Julian Goulthorpe, yeah. of course, the groundsman, who, who had had three weeks, a blessed final three weeks without yeah. a match. I think it was three weeks, wasn't it? It might have been a fortnight. Uh, no, um, Slough. Slough was the last home game. Yeah, fortnight. Yeah. Sorry, big yeah. Uh, a free fortnight <coughs> to to represent this battered pitch, absolutely flat, lovely, yeah. and then of course the sky is empty and and it tips it down. Me too. Um, and and I think we were all a little bit concerned as to how much more rain would have to fall before referee yeah. Mark Howes would would yeah. be bound to be thinking, you know, uh, um, you know, is this safe? I think if it had gone on raining into the second half, because the ball wasn't rolling in that big patch in front of Bristow's bench, was it? I think it? all credit to, to, to Goulthorpe and his staff. Yeah. The ball always ran just enough. Mm. You know, it what in other words, it wasn't completely sticking in puddles and stuff like yeah. that. He had got the pitch flat, and, yeah. and that that's a huge, huge plus. Even in very difficult conditions in Playmore over the last few weeks and months with Truro playing there. The surface has always been flat enough to pass and move the yeah. ball. That wasn't the case, by the way, at Bath, where the pitch was much tuftier and and, yeah. and and heavier with in terms of grass. You couldn't shift the ball quickly, which I do think played a, a, a part in that. But 
I'm not making this excuse because Bath passed the ball well just the same as yeah. United do. So, um, but but no, it, it, it the ball always moved last Saturday. That you know, and and it, it was never one of those kind of oh my goodness, this is turning into a fast yeah. yeah. Um And even in that the worst areas, we we sit and obviously in the in Bristow's bench and we look down so we can clearly see the area. Yeah. In front of Bristow's bench, which looks pretty battered, doesn't it? It does. But then the camera is on the other <clears throat> is on the is on the uh, pop side roof and the camera looks down from the other side of the pitch and you see that on the other side it's pretty bad as well. Yeah. Um but um you know thank goodness United got away with it in the end and yeah. and uh, the the game I don't think was ever in any doubt of being called off especially in the second half when the rain thankfully stopped. Yeah. The wind didn't. No, it didn't. Well, while we were talking about man of the match, then Julian Goldthorpe and the team for, uh, for yeah, getting, getting well, that I, game. Yeah, I don't think there was an awful lot they could do to be no. honest with you. Um, uh, they put some work into it at half time, though. Didn't oh they? yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, Chris Ralph and Julian always used to say to me, "Look, we don't mind if it rains all through the week. The rain we can't cope with is if it pours down on Saturday morning, yeah, yeah. Friday night, Saturday morning job." You know, they're, they're confident that the pitch can take rain in the build up to the game. It's when it falls in the last six, seven yeah. hours before a match and just before. Because, you know, you, 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 uh, the, the, the drainage system stands far less chance of working. And uh, even though if you've, got, if you've got an army of people forking, sometimes it doesn't, it's, yeah. you're fighting a losing battle. But um, no, a lot, a lot of hard work and everything okay in the end. And I don't think anybody, uh, certainly I, I didn't speak to anybody from Oxford who even hinted, oh, it was horrendous out there, it should have been no. called off. No. Good for them. So weather-wise, we've got um, we've got dire forecasts of snowmageddon on Devon Live today. The uh, amber warning for snow out where you are, not here on the English Riviera, obviously. Uh, up at Haytor, it's out uh, on the fringes a, of the moor. It's a, it's a little bit wintry, yeah. So it got me thinking about games. I mean, I can't remember a game in the snow at Plainmore particularly. Uh, I remember uh, an FA Cup tie against Brighton. Yeah. When um, uh, Martin Ling was manager. And that was very much in the balance with, yeah. um, oh, who was the Uruguayan manager? Of oh, Poyet, Poyet, wasn't it? Gus Poyet yeah. was the manager. Yeah. I do remember um, that, yeah. Uh, and that was very much in the balance, several pitch inspections. Yeah. Um, and um, United eventually lost that match, I think 1-0. And Gus Poyet was tremendous that afternoon. It, it, you, yeah. know, it, you, you would think that if anybody wanted it off, he, would, he, he might. In other words, the, the higher division yeah. team. And he was said, no, 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 no. If the referees say it's on, there'll be no excuses from this camp, you know. Yeah. And he was very adamant about that. The game did go ahead in the end, yeah. and United lost. Um, I can't remember a game actually being snowed off. I can remember games being slowed off, snowed off in advance. I had one last year, in fact. At uh, least um, one last uh, year. Uh, uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But not abandoned. No. Orange, um, orange ball and yeah. Sweeping off the lines and that kind of thing. Yeah, that's but right. The most famous occasion, of course, is we're going back to that 56 57 season again, though, aren't we? When Torquay played at Brentford on Boxing Day? Christmas morning. Christmas morning, yeah, sorry. Because in those days, in, in, in the 50s, teams played uh, Christmas Day and Boxing Day. Yeah. That's amazing now, isn't it, when you think of it? Uh, yeah, they played at Brentford at Griffin Park on uh, Christmas morning. Yeah. Um, uh, drew nil nil there. <coughs> and <clears throat> jumped in a train and they were due on back Christmas to, Day to play at Plainmore, at Plainmore the return match against Brentford uh, on Boxing on Day on Boxing Day the That's following right. day the following and day players and fans think they've got it hard these days well, as well and, and, and United travel by train yeah and Brentford travel down by bus 
right. all across, no motorways, of course, in those yeah. days. And United got stuck in a snowdrift halfway across Salisbury Plain <laughs> uh, in the train yeah. uh, and were sitting, sat there for several hours um, before they could be dug out. Yeah. Um, uh, Brentford managed to get down, uh, presumably A303 or, yeah. uh, you know, which is, it would have been, yeah, <laughs> it yeah. would have been past Stonehenge. They got down, they got back to Torquay or before United did. United got back in the early hours of the morning yeah. home and had to be up. Now, the only thing I don't know about this story, because obviously I wasn't there, was whether it was a morning kickoff or an afternoon. No, it, it, I'm sure it, was a, it, it would have been Boxing Day morning. Would it have been morning? Anyway, it, it doesn't been. really matter. Yeah. United players didn't get back until the early hours of the morning. I think it was, we're talking literally... Six, seven o'clock in the morning. Really? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah it yeah. wasn't. It wasn't a one o'clock or two o'clock job. Um, uh, and turned out at Playmore the next the next day yeah. and beat Brentford two nil. Um, uh, um, Sammy Collins scored that uh, that yeah. afternoon as well. Uh, United are obviously at or near the top of the table and yeah. go for a promotion. Yeah, had to be dug out of a snowdrift on on, on Salisbury Plain. Um, and, That's pretty and, extreme. And, and the doctor, yeah. I, I'm told that the doctor was called in yeah. um, to have a look, you know, to sort of see is there anything you can give the lads, doc, to, uh, <laughs> to <laughs> g them up a bit. I, I, I dare say there was a few tots of whiskey and stuff like that yeah. fly, fly, flying around. The, for medicinal the purposes for only. For medicinal purposes only, uh, flying around the yeah. dressing room. Yeah, that, 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 those are the days when, when teams played Christmas Day and Boxing Day. Um, uh, I can remember going to Carlisle when Roy McFarland was mm. manager um, and booking into a and b and it snowed very heavily on the Friday night. Yeah. Uh, getting up in the morning and driving into Brunton Park, getting there completely deserted about half past ten in the morning. Yeah. A gate open, <clears throat> took you straight into the ground onto the pitch. Walking out onto the onto the pitch and going, what? <laughs> no chance. No. <clears throat> and the groundsman coming over and said, "Excuse me, can I help you? What are you doing in here?" And I said, "Explained who I was." Yeah. And and he looked at me and said, "I think you've made a fruitless, you know, a fruitless trip." Yeah. And I, and I got straight on the phone to Roy McFarland and Dave <clears throat> Priest in the hotel. I said, "I think you better get, jump in a taxi and get down here because uh, yeah. um, there's going to be a pitch inspection within a minute, within a, a half an hour or so." Uh, they were trying to get hold of the referee, and that game was called off. Yeah. So we had to drive all the way home from Carlisle trip, and then go back up there on a Tuesday night. Yeah. <clears throat> that, that that takes a bit of sticking. Yeah, we see. I, well, I, I remember sitting in the old Leeds Road ground at Huddersfield one Tuesday night, and being as cold as I can. And I come from Norfolk, and believe you me, we used to have some winters up there when we were kids. Yeah. Um, uh, a famous one where we were effectively iced in for about six weeks back in the um, early 60s. Um, but uh, I can remember being at Huddersfield one night and, and yeah. really thinking, I can't get much cold in this because I'm just, I, I will stop functioning completely. Um, I don't and, know why I'm laughing. No, I know, no. And then, of course, there was last season at Solihull Moors, and anybody yeah. who was at Solihull Moors last season will, will testify to um, how cold it was that day. Uh, that was wind chill factor more than anything. Yeah. Um, real Arctic weather during the beast from the east yeah. sort of yeah. time. I think it was the second lot rather than the first lot. But um, uh, uh, Plainmore can be pretty chilly. 
can't it? Oh, it can. Um, yeah, the wind whips through Bristow's the, bench, the, doesn't the it? Wind, yeah. The wind, it's, it's a famously windy ground, really, yeah. up on the top of the hill. And of course, it's in a, usually in a southwesterly <clears throat> sort of airstream. But I'm sure none of us down here can really complain no. about temperatures when you, you know what people have to put up with sort of further north. But um, True. Well, no, there it, we are. With a bit of luck, East Thurrock. Yeah. It was pretty horrible at Brightling, see, just up the road from East yeah. Thurrock earlier this season in the FA Cup. Um, with a bit of luck, we should be all right at East Thurrock on uh, on Saturday. Quite a little, tiny little ground, Rookery oh, Hill. Yeah. Um, you have to get your head around that and get stuck in. Um, should be an interesting afternoon. Should indeed. Well, if you're making the trip up there, have a safe journey, everybody. We will see you um, at the Chelmsford game on Saturday week. We'll podcast again before then. And that's it from us. Thank you very much for your time. This has been the Herald Express Devon Live Talker United Yellow Army podcast once more. Uh, And as ever from Guy and Dave, we finish with Come Come on, on, you yellows. yellows.